0: Welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson finishes his four-part series titled Stories with part four, Forgiveness. Deep wounds must heal from the inside out. This truth applies to our physical life as well as our spiritual life. Good news, God can and longs to heal our open wounds. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org.
1: I wanna talk for just a moment about wound care. Now, I wanna apologize in advance if this grosses anybody out or creeps anybody out. I'm not gonna be graphic at all, uh, but I know there are some people you don't like the sight of blood, you don't even like the sound of blood, you don't even like the discussion of anything that has to do with anything like that. So I'm not gonna be graphic, but I wanna talk just a little bit about that, and there's a reason uh, that uh, hopefully will become obvious as we proceed. About, I don't know, five years ago, there was a place coming up uh, on my skin, on my face, that I got a little concerned about. So I went to the dermatologist to see if, you know, what was going on. When she checked me out, she discovered that it it wasn't cancer, it wasn't anything bad, so she took care of it and everything was cool. But while I was there, she said, are there any other places that you're concerned about? I wasn't really, but I thought, well, there is a place here on the back of my left arm that, you know, a little piece has kind of grown and et cetera. So she looked at it, and sure enough, she said, that's cancer. So she did a little biopsy on it, and she cut a little piece out, sent it off, uh, got the results back a little bit later, and she said, yes, confirmed, it is is cancer. Now, the good part is that she said, of all the cancers, this is the very best cancer that doesn't come back much out of us, so I felt really good about that. But she said, we do have to remove it. So... To remove it, she did a little cutting, a little scraping, a little burning, then a little cleaning, a little more cutting, a little more scraping, a little more burning. I won't get any more graphic, but it was pretty deep. So she had to do several layers of this. And when she finished it, she said, now to take care of this, you can't let it scab over. You can't let it get hard. You have to keep it moist because it has to heal from the inside out. About 29 years ago, I've shared some of this was some of you i was rushed to the hospital because my esophagus ruptured and my left lung collapsed when i was in the emergency room uh once they discovered that the doctors had to put some chest tubes in me so they cut me on the side and they they put these two chest tubes in my in my chest well a week or so uh later Uh, When I was going to be dismissed, they came in to say, hey, you're leaving, but we've got to take out these tubes. So they take out the tubes, and it leaves, you know, obviously left a couple of holes in my chest. And the doctor there said the same thing. We We can't suture these. We can't close these up. They have to stay open because they have to heal from the inside out. Now, these wounds were open. You could actually see which I won't get any more graphic but my wonderful wife had to be the one to take care of that and medicate that until it could heal but the key is this wound was so deep it has to heal and had to heal from the inside out now when we get little minor cuts and scrapes they'll they'll scab over that's okay but deeper wounds have to heal from the inside out in fact the deeper the wound the more important it is for it to heal from the inside out. External things can't bring the healing. They can aid in the healing, but they can't bring the healing. But this is the word picture for us this morning. We're finishing up our series entitled Stories where we've been telling some stories from scripture and stories from our River Fellowship members, um, hopefully to encourage and to bring hope and to bring healing. Also to remind us that every one of us have a story. All of our stories are different. But God uses every story for his glory and for the benefit of others. And so far, we've told the story of running. We've told the story of faithfulness. We've told the story of victory. And this morning, we're going to end it by telling the story of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is the spiritual equivalent to a physical healing of a wound. Sin has caused this deep wound in all of us and unforgiveness is what keeps that wound from healing. But forgiveness is that medication, that medicine that brings the healing. So forgiveness like wounds has to be an inside out process. Let me invite you to take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're actually gonna be in four different passages this morning, we're gonna look at three Psalms here in just a moment that relate to the story, but our foundational passage is 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it's another story about David. Remember last week we talked about part of David's story, but it was an exciting part. It was a story when he defeats Goliath. And We talked about bringing the negative into our, or bringing God into our negative. This is again David, but it's a different part of his story. It's a, a little more difficult part of David's story. Second Samuel, chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem Here's the first problem we see. David's not where he's supposed to be. David's somewhere where he's not supposed to be. They're supposed to be going out to war. David's supposed to be going with his army, kind of leading the charge, if you will, but he sent somebody else in his stead, and he stays home, that's problem number one. Verse two, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Here's mistake number two. Now he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. Not that he should have been up on the roof, but when he saw this woman, he should have immediately turned around and said, oops, and forgot it, but he continues to pursue it. We know that by verse number three, where it says David sent someone to find out about her. Here's the third mistake he makes, just boom, boom, boom. Now he tries to pursue this type of relationship. It says there in verse three, it says that the man said, this is the one that he sent to Ask about her. the man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now I don't think, this isn't in scripture, I have to kind of read this in a little bit, but what I think is taking place here, I don't think this man is simply giving information to David. I don't think he's simply identifying this person and say, oh that's Bathsheba. I think what the man is doing is he's trying to check David. I think he's trying to give David a message. Hey David, this lady belongs to another man this woman is married to Uriah I think he's trying to hint David you need to stop this now he couldn't just come out and say that because if he came against David he's the king and David could have had him executed on the spot so he's trying to be subtle about it David this woman's but he doesn't pay attention he doesn't listen how do we know verse four because David sent messengers to go get her she came to him, slept with her, then she went back home and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Now there's a big problem that David has. Not only has he committed the sin, but now there is evidence to what's taken place. And so now David has to scramble and figure out what he's going to do. So verses 6 through 13, we see that he tries to get Uriah to come home, he's at the battlefield, wants to get him to come home so he can be with his wife and it will look like the child that's going to be born is Uriah's, but Uriah will not cooperate because he's a man of integrity, he's a man of character. His soldier friends are out there in battle sleeping outside and so Uriah sleeps outside as well and goes back to the battlefield and so now David's plan didn't work so he has to come up with another plan. So verses 14 through 24 we see his next plan and that is he's going to have Uriah executed. He basically puts a hit out on Uriah. So he tells the commander, I want you to find where the battle's the fiercest. I want you to put Uriah on the front lines. And when the battle's raging, I want everybody else to back off so that Uriah's killed. And his plan worked to perfection. And Uriah's killed. That brings us to verse 26. It said, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband had died, her husband was dead, she mourned. But after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David did displeased the Lord. The thing that David did displeased the Lord. David commits two big ones. So what's the story from this point on? Well, let me have you looked at Psalm 32. I want you to hold this story for a moment. Now I want to look at a few of these Psalms because in the Psalms, David writes about what's going on in his life and in his heart as a result of this. Now I want to remind us this morning that this is a story about forgiveness. It's not a story about sin. This is a good story. This is a positive story. It's a story about forgiveness, not a story about sin. But we have to deal with this first before we get to the other part of the story. But in Psalm 32, we see where David begins to talk about, as he's reflecting and writes about what he'd done in his storyline. Verse one, he says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. That word covered literally means buried. Or overwhelmed. Here's the word picture. It's as if when we ask and receive God's forgiveness that God takes that sin and he digs a huge bottomless pit and he throws that sin in that bottomless pit and he covers it up with his love and his grace and his mercy. That's what the picture of overwhelmed means. It means his love and grace just overwhelm the sin and completely covers it up and buries it. In verse two, he says, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Now that word count literally means to credit to your account or to consider. In other words, once we experience the forgiveness of God, God no longer credits our sin to our account. He has cleaned the slate. He has erased that debt, if you will. And when he considers us He does not consider our sin. When he thinks about us, when he considers our situation, he no longer considers our sin. It's been covered. It's been buried. It's been removed. So really, it's a proclamation right here where David is is talking about forgiveness. Really, what David is saying is forgiveness equals blessedness. Now, blessedness is simply a heightened state of joy. It's experiencing the favor of God or favorable circumstances, the kind acts of God. It's experiencing the goodness and the grace of God. And so what what David is saying is, through forgiveness, this wound is healed. And I'm able to experience the goodness of God. Now, verses 3 and 4 here, he talks a little bit about what he was feeling and experiencing before he experienced this forgiveness. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then here in verse five, we see the release when he confesses it. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. When I read that, it's almost like I can hear David with this, just this sigh, this heaviness that he's been experiencing. Now that he's dealt with this confession of forgiveness, now he experiences just the release and the relief of God. Turn over to Psalm 38, just a few more Psalms over. In Psalm 38, David gets a little bit more descriptive about his life and his experiencing in his experience, before he receives and accepts God's forgiveness. He says in verse 4, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Again, that word overwhelm, it, it talks about a heavy weight. In other words, he's saying the weight of the guilt is crushing me. It's that same word of being overwhelmed. Remember, in the earlier psalm, it said that his love and grace overwhelm our sin. But here it's just the opposite. Now he's saying my sin is overwhelming me and it's this weight that's just so heavy I can't bear it, it's crushing me. Verse five, he says, my wounds fester and are loathsome. And again, I don't want to be graphic here, but this word fester means to gnaw, means to erode, to eat away. And the word loathsome really means to stink, to smell. He's using a graphic picture of this wound, where this wound is just eating away my skin, and it's beginning to stink. What he's saying is the shame that I'm experiencing because of what I've done is just starting to overwhelm me. Verse 6, he says, all day long, I go about mourning. Depression is setting in. His joy is gone. Verse 7, there is no health in my body. He says, I'm beginning to experience literal physical ramifications because I'm carrying the weight of this guilt and sin. Verse 10, he says, my heart pounds. He's having panic attacks. My strength fails me. He's so weak and frail. He can't hardly function. Even the light has gone from my eyes. Verse 11, my friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. In other words, he says, I'm so hard to be around. I'm so depressing to be around. Even the people that love me do not want to be around me because carrying the weight of this is just wrecking everything. Now, it sounds like a dismal story, but remember, this is a story of forgiveness. If we go to Psalm 51, our third Psalm, We see what happens in David's life when he realizes what he's done, and he confesses that sin, he receives that sin, I mean he receives that forgiveness, and he walks in that forgiveness, and he forgives himself for that as well. Now we see a different picture. In Psalm 51 verses 3 and 4, he says, I know my transgressions, and against you and you only have I sinned. Then verse 7 he says, but if you will cleanse me, I will be clean. And if you will wash me, I will be washed. He's referring back now to when he said these, the sin is festering and loathsome. See, before it was eating away and it was causing this great distress. But now, because of forgiveness, you will wash me and you will cleanse me. And all that open wound is just clean and cleansed and removed. Verse eight, he says, let me hear joy and gladness. Now his joy is restored. His depression has been lifted. To let the bone you have crushed, rejoice. The physical stamina and strength is renewed. In verse 10, create in me a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. In other words, he's experiencing this spiritual renewal. His spirit is now reconnected with the spirit of God and will he felt very distant and unworthy to be in the presence of God, now he's back into the presence of God and experiencing this spirit to spirit connection. Verse 13, he says, now I will teach transgressors their ways. In other words, what he says here is, I've got a story to tell. <laughs> I've just been through this process and I've experienced the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, and the wholeness. my body is healed, my spirit's renewed and I have this story and so I will go out and I will share my story with those people that may be under the same type of situation." so they can experience the same kind of goodness from God. Here's what David realized. Through forgiveness, the heaviness was raised. Through forgiveness, the guilt was removed. And through forgiveness, the shame was released. The reason David approached God the reason David went to God finally asking for forgiveness is David knew he understood that God loves to forgive. Remember he's a man after God's own heart. He understands God's heart. He's walked with God and walked with God and walked with God. Yes, he failed. He made a mistake. He sinned, but he still understood the heart of God. And so he comes asking for forgiveness because he knows God is a God who loves to forgive. Psalm 86.5 says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call on you. Psalm 99.8 says, You were to Israel, a forgiving God. And remember what Israel did time and, time and time and time and time and time and time and time again through their sin, through their rebellion, through their idolatry. But God continued to be there to forgive. Walk through the, the gospel sometime and you'll notice that Jesus never turned anyone away when they came asking for forgiveness. God will never turn anyone away. Away. There's, there's never a point, there's never a time when someone approaches God with their sin, with their fall to say, God, I repent, would you, would you forgive me? God will never say, nope, sorry. That sin was too big, that was too bad, that was too wrong, you waited too long. <laughs> nope, sorry. God will never say that. God will always forgive when you come to him asking for forgiveness. I want you to hold this story for a moment, and I want you to hear another story by one of our members, Carol Phillips.
0: If you are listening to this podcast from our Facebook link or our website, please look below and you will find the video attached.
1: Now remember, these stories this morning, they're not stories of sin. They're stories of forgiveness. And what's great about these stories is God is always ready and willing to forgive. Unfortunately, there are people who either won't ask, don't think they need to, or they don't think God will forgive them, or maybe God will forgive them, but I can't forgive myself, so for whatever reason, they continue to walk with the guilt and the shame and the pain and the weight of sin. Psalm 32.1, we looked at it earlier. It said, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. This word forgiven means to cancel or to pardon, but it actually means to leave and abandon. Here's the word picture. We have sin. And let's say we're carrying the sin. It doesn't matter what the sin is, all right? It's, it's all sin. But for us, we find ourselves carrying our sin. And everywhere we go, we're carrying the sin with us. So we continue to carry it. And it's like anything, the longer you carry it, the heavier it becomes. And so you carry the weight of sin, and along with that comes the guilt and comes the shame and comes all the description that we've gone through with David. And so the more we go, the heavier the sin, the heavier the weight, the more the guilt, the more the shame, and we're trying to function so we do anything and everything we possibly can think of to try to, to ease this pain or try to get rid of the pain or not think about the pain, and so it just gets worse and piles on and piles on and piles on and piles on. But what Psalm says is, blessed is the one whose transgressions he leaves and abandons. Here's the word picture. When we finally come to the place where we will say, God, I'm sorry I have sinned against you and I want to confess that. I want to repent from that and I'm asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me or maybe for others. You've actually done that at some point, but you never forgave yourself. God forgave you, but you were not able to forgive yourself. So finally at this point you realize, okay, God has forgiven me, so I'm gonna forgive myself as well. What happens is we leave it. The word picture is now what happens is we leave that sin and it stays put and now we're living our life and living our journey without the weight, without the shame, without the guilt, without the pain of the sin. And oh, by the way, he covers it. So when we throw it and lay it down, he digs the pit, he throws it in there, and then he covers it with his love and his grace and his mercy. So we never have to be considered with it again. He never credits it to our account again. It's forgiven, it's gone, it's lost, it will never be brought up again. That's the grace and the goodness about the forgiveness of God. So probably, maybe, I know there are people in this world like this. There may be some of you in this room this morning that you've been walking around with all of that weight and guilt and shame of some past sins that you've never been able to get rid of. There may be some here that you've never asked God to forgive you because you don't think you're worthy of forgiveness. God's a forgiving God. He doesn't forgive you because you're worthy. He forgives you because he's worthy, because he's good. But he will grant that forgiveness if you'll ask. There may be some of you here this morning, down the road, you've you've asked. Maybe you've asked a hundred (laughs) times, but you've not been able to forgive yourself God's done something that you're not able to do. He's forgiven you, but you've not experienced that forgiveness because you haven't been able to forgive yourself. Because you think this sin is too big, it's too bad, I've been carrying it for too long. There's no such thing as that kind of sin. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how long you've been carrying it, He'll forgive you. So maybe for some of you this morning, you need to forgive yourself. One other word. I mentioned my wounds uh, that had to heal. What's interesting now is all three of those places, there are now scars. So where I once had open wounds, I now have scars. But the good thing about the scars is that's evidence of the healing. And it also is a reminder of the story that that I've gone through that brought the healing in place. The same is true spiritually. There may be some here this morning where these were your stories, but you've asked God's forgiveness. You've forgiven yourself, and all that's been cleansed and all that's been done. And all these open wounds that you had maybe at one time, they're not open wounds anymore. They're scars. They've been healed, and you're walking in the newness and the forgiveness of God, but you do have scars left. Let me just say don't ever be ashamed of those scars, because those scars are evidence of God's healing and forgiveness in your life. And what does he wanna do with those scars? The same thing David said he was gonna do. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna tell my story. Yeah, my story may, may include, hey, I've got some scars I need to show you. I've got a few scars I need to tell you about. But here's the good news. The scars are here because God brought healing and forgiveness, let me tell you about that. So don't be ashamed of it. So I don't know what your story is this morning. But just know that there's forgiveness from God, forgiveness of yourself, and a story you can tell from your scars. Let me ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to let the Spirit just minister to you. You know, with with topics like this, sometimes it's, it's... I don't know. I don't know your story. I don't know your situation. But I do know that there's no shame or guilt. If you need forgiveness this morning, ask God. Because He's wanting to forgive. He's waiting to forgive. He's willing to forgive. And He will forgive. If you're here this morning, and for some reason you feel like you're unworthy of forgiveness, that you can't forgive yourself, I wish I could plead with you with everything that I have, that God will forgive anyone of anything, that your worthiness is found in Christ and through Christ, and in Him and Him alone, you are found worthy, you are made worthy, you are found whole you can come to him and he will cleanse you and you can walk in that newness. Maybe some of you this morning, you do have some scars, but you've not been willing to tell that story because you think having scars is a bad thing. It's an embarrassing thing. We want people to see our scars. But really scars are a good thing because it's a sign of healing. we pray, as we worship here in just a moment, we'll have prayer team members around the room. If you'd like to pray with somebody, I encourage you to do that. Whatever you need to pray about, we're here, available. You may want to stay and pray silent. You may want to stand and worship. You may have friends that that you're praying for. Whatever the situation is, I'm just, I ask that you would allow the Spirit to minister to you this morning. Father, we thank you that you're a good, forgiving Father. And I'm just praying that your Spirit would say and do whatever needs to be said and done in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.